You ready for Basecamp Fitness's best deal yet? Seven days for $7. That's right, seven days for $7. It's time to double down on your fitness goals and snag this offer before it's gone. Call or text Basecamp Fitness at 913-232-9770 or go to BasecampFitness.com to learn more. Impress your friends, amaze your coworkers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you what you need to know. Fourth quarter of the program begins right now, finishing strong here on a Friday. Kevin Harlan right around the corner, the best in the business, CBS, TNT, Western One. Always love to finish with uh, Kevin Harlan. Um, Saw a clip of his uh, call from the tournament last year again today. Just where he... Where he holds off everybody else. Furman, Virginia game. Did we just see what we just saw? So good. Yeah. Um... That the is, best. That he is the best. <laughs> uh, college basketball, by the way, this weekend. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll let you know. Our need to know is uh, brought to you by our friends uh, at Family Leisure K10 and Ridgeview is where you can head on out right now. Dennis and his great staff mention A10 save even more hot tubs, spas, pools, poker tables, uh, patio furniture. Listen, we got beautiful weather. If you don't have what you need to get outside and enjoy it, get to Family Leisure. It's where family and fun come together. Locally owned and operated for more than 25 years. Find them online at familyleisure.com. College hoops tomorrow. Uh, only one of the three locals favored. Are you shocked by that? Uh, and that Shouldn't be. That it's Missouri. It's just, oh, well, that is stunning. Uh, yeah, we'll take them in order. Mizzou getting six and a half at Arkansas. That's at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. I've already called it. This is where they get the win? Tigers win. No chance. It's their only one. No chance. Yep. I'll take the other side. Sure. You want the points? I'm not yeah. giving them, but... Nah, yeah. straight up. That, the I'm usual? calling the win. I'm not going to ask the, the usual? points. Yeah. A buck? Straight up dollar. Straight up dollar? Okay. I'll do it. Um, I'll take both pigs. But, but this is the only win. They win this, and then... I don't know why you settled on this. Arkansas, Arkansas is a white hot mess. Yeah, and... and um, Statistically, they're, they've been losing by a larger. They're one of the two SEC teams that have a worst average point differential in conference play than Missouri. So, I think they've been living on borrowed time. Missouri's kind of close. They, they'll, they'll put it together for one game and then toast. Uh, K State getting one and a half as they host BYU at one o'clock. That's ESPN Plus. Go to the streaming service, people. Mm-hmm. You like the cats? No. I don't either because, uh, the, you know, there's been many an unranked team favored against better teams at home that have come home yeah. to roost, and yep. they're not even getting points there. They've lost seven out of eight. Uh, you heard Jerome Tang earlier talking about, you know, being close. We'll talk about that here in a second. And KU, six-and-a-half-point favorites versus Texas, 5 p.m. on ESPN. You like the, you like the Hawks? I do. I All do. right. A- at home, I always do. Okay. The road's where things get a little squirrely. I don't love that line, though. Why? What's not the like? Well, I'm just not. I'm, maybe I, I'm not. What do you think it should be? Twenty? No, 30. I don't think it should be twenty. It's more about it's it's more about Texas. I, I I'm not very high on Texas. So five, I don't know. Just two, a two score line just feels. Maybe I maybe Three I'm just line. underestimating Texas. I mean, we know how I feel about Kansas. I think they are who they are. They're they're good. They're fine. It, is it is it the not, rare four point play you always factor into when you count how many scores? It's six and a half. It, I thought you said five. The five, six, six and a half. half. 
Okay, that's a little better. So yeah, it's up to three scores. Okay. So that's good. I mean, it's not. It, it's point. better. It's it's a better than a five and a half point. But I I, I thought I heard five. And point, I just heard better. straight. Five. You go on the road in a conference game and you lay more than a bucket. You're a solid favorite. It's an Allen Fieldhouse. They're home. Right, and when you're at home, <laughs> that's right. It that's is, what the it? VS is. Yeah, for. I I shut up. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the Mizzou part of the equation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Texas is supposed to be good. They were just in the top twenty-five a week or two ago, so they're in that wash. That that fifteen to forty is all the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's fair. I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm just over. Maybe I'm also overreacting to the talk uh, with Gary um, about sort of hiring the interim and how that's going and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to work in the long haul, but I don't think he's a boob over there. That's fair. Yeah, I'm probably over overthinking that conversation, and, and it's it's certainly – I'm probably under underrating Texas more than, than they've earned. Uh, Bill Self talking about the uh, Texas guards. Hunter Naismith uh, says they're really good. I'm a big fan of Tyrese. You know, we tried hard to get him here, you know, uh, uh, when he left Ames and, and – uh, Max, to me, is one of the best scoring points or best scoring guards that we'll face all year long. So they're good. But the one guy I think that makes their team as much as anybody is is uh, Weaver. I mean, he is a high-energy dude that uh, uh, can make a lot of plays in a lot of different ways and impact games. Like I said, their guards are incredible. I can't believe Kansas is even <laughs> favored. Bill Self's on board with him. Where are you? He's a high energy dude. Bill, I'm a, I I am a Jayhawk through and through. If Bill Self comes to me today and says, "Adam, it's Monday," I'll go. Well, I guess it's Monday. You know. Uh, okay. You know, it's it's. I'm not as blown away by their guards. I mean, I watched the game against K State. That set offensive basketball back ten years, uh, frankly. So yeah, I'm not super enamored with it. But you know, okay. KU's also one dude getting in foul trouble away from well, getting in trouble against any team. Yeah, and that's I mean, the the, the bench. Well, let's see, Bill Self's talking about. It. Let's see what he says. Uh, regardless of how good the starters are, Self says the bench has to be more consistent. The amount of minutes that starters actually play together in a game is minimal compared to what most people think it is. Because you always have somebody that's subbed in. So so you know even if and we don't sub much but but even if that number's 18 minutes you know whatever that's still 22 minutes that it doesn't occur so so uh you know we gotta we we got to have you know guys off the pine uh off the bench uh uh come in and 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 be positive contributors which we've shown where we can be we just haven't done it consistently did you think we didn't know what pine was initially? Oh, that's an inside term. I better explain that. Uh, bench. Also, why do you? Why, why, why do? You, why must you hate? Good with basic math. He quickly subtracted eight, eighteen from forty and got twenty-two. I don't hate. Never. No Missouri fan is a bigger Bill Self fan than I am. Uh, Marco Jackson and Nicholas Timberlake need to do more. Yes, that's where it is. You know, and McCullough's still banged up. That's an issue. We mentioned that he aggregate, aggravated the injury against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at some point, like, do you just shut him down? 
and, and play for the tournament. Yeah, and, and wait for the tournament. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you're still playing for your seed, so I think it's a little bit tougher, tougher to figure out there. Uh, we mentioned K State getting one and a half from BYU. Uh, Jerome Tang was asked how he's maintained such a positive attitude uh, through this uh, losing stretch. You know, when your guys give you an, an effort that gives you a chance to to win the game, um, then there's. It's going to be some little thing that can be adjusted. It's not like you got to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so our goal as a staff is to figure out how to keep us moving forward. And uh, we talk about getting 1% better every day, um, you know, putting games in a box and moving forward. And, and it does, there's just little tweaks. And if if you're negative, right, you just, you're just bringing – it's like the, the energy vampire, you know, sucking all the energy out the room. I don't want to be that guy. And uh, I don't want my team to be that kind of a team. And I, I do believe that we're like one or two plays away from from being able to win. I was six games now that are basically one possession games. And, you know, you can look back and you got to figure out what is it, the, the one thing that we can adjust to change that could result in maybe a different outcome in two or three of them. You think they're one play away? Um, no. Because, I mean, I... You don't lose that many games if you're generally if you're one one. I, one play I think away. as a coach, that, that's you have, a lot. I think you're like one play away here or there, yeah. and there and there and there. Yeah, right. From being what they want to be, which is a tournament team. That's how they view themselves this entire time. Yeah. That's how we did the interview on ESPN. Was nine and nine, five hundred. I think they're a little bit further away than that. Yeah. But I do appreciate what he's saying about not being an energy vampire. Absolutely. That's a new term. We've now heard that twice. Energy vampire. We got that from uh, Daly, a linebacker coach for the Chiefs. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, the energy vampire. That's why I, like, I couldn't place like, who it was. Come on, you know those guys. Like, oh, oh, like, you, know, you don't want one of those guys. Come on, we all know him. Yeah. <laughs> he said this. I knew when I heard that. I'd heard it before, but yeah. I couldn't remember who it was. Daly, the linebacker yeah, coach Daly. the Chiefs said it late in the year. Uh, a federal judge in Tennessee created a preliminary injunction today that prohibits the NCAA from punishing any athletes or boosters for negotiating NIL deals during the recruiting or transfer process. Uh, it's not a final ruling, but will have an immediate impact on how NIL deals are used in the recruiting process. What this means is... Hey, fire away. The schools can't offer money, but the boosters can go out and say, if you sign here, I will give you this. Yep. Why wouldn't we? Why are we like, listen, they're paying them. Stop trying to create these bogus. No, you pick a school, then we'll see what's out there. No. Up yours. You don't go take a job somewhere else. And then once you're there and committed, at, so how much are you going to pay? By the way, seven thirty-five an hour. Just you're locked in. You can't go anywhere else. Like, Duh. Yes. I just like I don't know. Well, well, it's okay. We don't have what we used to have, which we liked, which was where the coach had all the control. So let's see if we can artificially create that. Just no. It was found wrong. Change with the times, you jackasses. We have moved on. Or go find a job in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, NFL news. Uh, coaches are in colleges. Tom Pelissero reported that Matt Arises' deal with the Chiefs yesterday, a minimum deal with an injury split. Minimizes some of their Yeah. So risk. if he gets hurt, you know, they're out. But, you know, those look like, you know, Tommy Townsend's out. Mm-hmm. Tommy Townsend, was a, he didn't do very good this year, but was a pro bowler last year. And I so, wonder. I, I don't wonder. know that you're just running from no. Tommy Townsend. No. But you're not paying Tommy Townsend like the best punter in football. How does it impact the operation? 
because one of the things he was really good at, saved a field goal in the Super Bowl. And that 57-yard yeah. field goal, great hold by him. Can he do that? He hadn't been in football for two years. Dolphins are releasing four-time Pro Bowl 30-year-old corner Xavier Howard. Uh, it'll be a post-June 1 designation. It'll save the Dolphins $18.5 million in caps. Also cutting uh, former Chiefs great Emmanuel Ogba. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll save him $13.7 million. Uh, Royals dropped their spring training opener today in surprise, which I'm glad. I've been tired of them winning a whole bunch and then being bad the regular season. Mm-hmm. So let's have a bad spring training record. We've tried the good spring training record, and it hasn't meant crap. Uh, Royals follow the Rangers 5-4. Drew Waters homered for the Royals. Daniel Lynch, one scoreless inning with a walk. Uh, Jake Brent's coming back from injuries. He allowed three runs in one third of an inning. So the Royals fall 5-4 to four today to the Texas Rangers, the defending uh, World Series champions. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk to the best in the business. You know him. You love him. From CBS, TNT, Westwood One. We call him the voice of America. Kevin Harlan's next. Welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sorrent Petro with you as uh, we finish strong in the 5 o'clock hour, as we are wanting to do. We talk to the best in the business from CBS, TNT, Westwood One. He is Kevin Harlan, uh, the voice of America is with us. Kevin, how are you, sir? I am doing great, Saran. I hope you're having a good day and you're looking forward to a good weekend. Uh, I, I am, indeed. And, uh, you know, we we... we twist and turn and, and start to focus in on college basketball. You know, the Chiefs are just such a big deal. Uh, it's, it's you know, it's really cannibalized our college basketball in this town. The NFL is so big, and when your team is the best team in the NFL, it's amazing how the Kansas City Chiefs suck up so much of the oxygen. It is. I walk through airports, and uh, what is interesting is when any flight is going to Kansas City, and I went through Atlanta, today and where did I go through the other day O'Hare and I go by a Kansas City gate like going to Kansas City uh, there's people wearing uh, the red and gold or uh, people will walk by and go go Chiefs I mean it really is amazing what a Super Bowl will do for a, a town of course this is you know now three championships in a very short amount of time so there's been no NFL team the most popular sport in this country, there's been no NFL team as publicized and talked about and certainly, um, uh, you know, mentioned as much as the Chiefs are and and Kansas City. And so the, the city benefits from it. I think all the nice things that we see happening to the town, um, you know, are not, not directly responsible because of the Chiefs' success, but certainly it all kind of goes hand in hand. And I know the mayor takes great pride in that. And, uh, and all the business people do, too. It, it, it's uh, great PR for the city. And uh, then you get shows like yours, which talk sports, you know, um, 24-7 every day of the year. And um, there's always stuff to talk about. I'm stunned when I turn on ESPN if I'm in the hotel room getting ready for a basketball game that night. I'll just have it on the background. How often they go to NFL stories. And Colin Cowherd and others have mentioned that nothing drives ratings and nothing drives conversation like the NFL. And when you are the top team in the NFL, like the Chiefs are, uh, you're going to be at the center of those conversations. So uh, lucky for us that we get to be a part of it, and uh, certainly great for our wonderful community that hopefully can benefit uh, in, in different ways, whether it's economically or whatever, by the uh, by virtue of the game. 
Yeah, it is. And, uh, and, and it is a huge economic boom to Kansas City. And, and I'm just curious real quick on the stadium. We don't need to talk too much because I know we've touched on it, how the Chiefs would like to turn Arrowhead into like a, a Lambeau field. Uh, type of destination, and they're going to need a lot of work. Are, are you surprised the Super Bowl was such a big part? Was that just a favor the league was going to do for Lamar Hunt because he aimed it and he was you know, brought the you know, founded the AFL? Are you surprised that you know, the idea of building a, a dome and getting a Super Bowl here and being on the Final Four, uh, you know, stage being in the regular rotation doesn't trump whatever vision they have for? creating a Lambo-like experience from Arrowhead. You know, that's interesting. Uh, you know, you go many different ways of that conversation. Um, you know, the draft being held in Kansas City certainly was one of those things which you, you, know, you check that box. Um, I, I know that, that Mark Donovan and uh, Clark and that whole business brain trust out there have got very big, you know, immense, massive plans for whatever they end up doing with Arrowhead. I think clearly with the Royals finding a space and getting, you know, some kind of a, a direction on their plans clears the way for the Chiefs to do whatever they want to do and to what degree and, and, and to what extent. And I think that um, because the Hunt name is as important in the NFL as the Maras with the Giants, and, um, and, and you, you, the, you know, the Models at one time when he was in Cleveland and then later at Baltimore. And right on down the line, um, the Roonies in Pittsburgh, you know, those names carry a lot of cachet. And Clark Hunt is viewed uh, league-wide and certainly by the NFL office as a, as a young, up-and-coming, prominent voice for this next generation after the Crafts and after the Jerry Joneses. And those people, we just saw the recent, within the last couple of years of Pat Bowling out in Denver, those voices were big. Arthur Blank's voice is pretty big down in Atlanta. But Clark Hunt um, is put on important committees, and his views, uh, because, like his dad, his views are measured and well thought, and he's not shooting from the hip, I think brings Kansas City a completely different dimension on, you know, where – uh, those future sites may be. I'm not sure where the NFL sits right now on northern um, locations, unless it is Dome, certainly. And I know that Nashville is going, you know, head over heels into their brand-new stadium with the hopes of Final Fours and, and Super Bowl. Now, listen, Nashville is different than Kansas City. Nashville's got a component that Kansas City really doesn't have, and that's the entertainment component. And that city is going bananas with growth in every way, uh, hotels and apartments and population increases by the month that are staggering. Um, but Kansas City will always have a, a, a wonderful role and prominence on the landscape of the NFL uh, in, in whatever degree that they enhance Arrowhead Stadium um, uh, and will always be attractive. I still think the City, a place where they have their, their uh, basketball tournament and where um, uh, you know, I think in, in time, should they dome it? Should they figure out what they want to do in the new look Arrowhead, however far that may be in the future? Um, you know, they'll talk about, about bringing the, um, uh, Big 12 championship, football championship to Kansas City. Final Four is clearly with the history 
our city has with the Final Four. All these things are very much, I think, in play. And so I think they're only going to be limited by the size of your imagination. And my guess is that the, and the Donovans of the world out at the One Arrowhead Drive have got an unlimited imagination on what they would like to do and, and, and how they would like to see this thing uh, evolve in the next, uh, in the next uh, edition. We're talking to Kevin Harlan here in the program. Let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs football team. Matt Ariza, uh, the punt god, as he was dubbed at one point uh, because of his uh, 51-yard punting average in college, uh, was released by the Bills amidst uh, allegations of being part of a uh, rape. Um, he, uh, in a civil suit, by the way, not not charges, but a civil suit. Uh, those charges were dropped when the uh, prosecution uh, said that, uh, you know, there was nothing you know, that he was, he had left the party before, uh, that this incident was said to be, had they found proof that he had left the party before, uh, this situation was said to have happened, was alleged to have happened. Um, the Chiefs are getting a guy who was, you know, a six round pick of the Buffalo Bills. Drafting a punter is something, you know, the Chiefs didn't draft Tommy Townsend. Uh, they just signed him. You can sign good kickers and punters. Uh, and some of the best usually are signed. But drafting him is kind of an anomaly, and they're getting what is one of the better punting prospects in football. Are you surprised uh, they went down this road, or are they the perfect team, draped in as much success as they're draped in? Uh, you know, again, these these allegations, he was, you know, taken out of the lawsuit uh, because he was said to have left the party before it happened. Uh, are the Chiefs the perfect team to do it because they've had so much success uh, they're not going to be, you know, it's it's not piling on. I always said, listen, Mark Mangino, Got fired. One of the reasons he got fired was because he was a very heavy set guy. And it what didn't happen when he was winning, but when he was losing, all the frustrations. And Mark Mangino, you know, barked at some high school refs, um, you know, at one of his kids' football games. Nobody fired him when he was winning 10, 11 games going to the Orange Bowl. First losing season he had, all those frustrations got piled on, and here was their opportunity. Um, are the Chiefs kind of the opposite? So much success people will tolerate if you go take someone that, you know, another team walked away from. I do think that they have great confidence in the chemistry and the cohesion of their locker room. And I think if you don't have a strong locker room, bringing in uh, anybody with a red flag, to what degree that red flag is hoisted, I think, you know, always has to be a thought. Now, the Chiefs have gone down this road and gotten uh, players uh, here, Gordon, the receiver, uh, that have had, you know, maybe a, a questionable uh, path uh, to get to where they are in the, in the league. And clearly this punter, who, by the way, was drafted, like you say, by the Bills and well thought of by the Bills. They, they, he, had a, he was having a terrific preseason, and that really shook them when all this came out because they were counting on this guy to be a force. And so, uh, and, and I think they do have a, a strong locker room in, in Buffalo, but there was so much pending. You just didn't know where, where all the, the legal things were going to take you. Now that that seems to be a little bit clearer and the path more direct, um, I think the Chiefs feel like, listen, we're always going to improve in every way we can, whether that's with a punter, with a long snapper, or with our number one receiver. I, I just think they're, they're going to be tireless in that regard. And, and what do they have to lose? I mean, um, if, if the kid in, in, a, in the courts or, or in the legal system has been proven to be not guilty, uh, regardless if it was what 
Matt went through or anything else, drugs or, or reckless driving or, or, or intoxicate, whatever it might be. Um, I think you've got to let that process play out. I think they have been very clear that that's the way that they handle those kinds of things. And um, I think their track record with bringing in someone with a red flag has been, has been pretty good. Now, nothing is perfect and they've had their flaws and, and this may not work out. And for whatever reason, but um, I, I think there's great confidence in just the culture that they've established and, and the, the, from the, the, the winning side of it to the camaraderie, the teammate, the, you know, being accountable, all those things are all a part of what the Chiefs are all about. You don't win Super Bowls if you don't have all those areas covered. So, you know, not being – and I, I'm, I, I have not looked at the, the, the written, you know, declaration of where this kid stands, what he's been through, how it's been handled what he's still on the hook for, well, any of that, I've not seen any of it. But uh, if the Chiefs seem satisfied, um, I think this is perhaps worth a, a shot to improve that position if Townsend, in their view, was not what they were looking for. If there's something that was deficient in his funding. Um, but I, I do think the culture is strong enough to handle anybody that may come in with, with some doubt, some raised eyebrows, uh, or as I said, a red flag. All right, that's the great Kevin Harlan. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, moves yet to be made by your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm back with more with the Voice of America, Kevin Harlan, right here in the program. Welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We always finish strong with Kevin Harlan from CBS TNT Westwood One. Uh, Kevin, let's go, uh, I don't know, over the horizon, look at what the Chiefs are going to do uh, with Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed. Do you think they uh, are ready to turn the page on these guys? or do they value that uh, third straight title, getting the third straight title so much that they'll accept maybe hurting themselves on down the road in a few years? Well, well, your point is pretty good. Um, your point is, you know, that window, uh, you know, it, it's a win-now league. And so you may have to sacrifice down the road to get things done now. Um, the, the, the biggest issue to me is you've got a shutdown corner who is just, draws rave reviews from everybody that watches him, all the coaches that have to go against him, um, and is, is highly regarded. You know, one, I don't know what pro football focus finally finished in terms of their ranking of where he was. But, you know, he and McDuffie, my goodness. I mean, you're talking about a pair of corners that would, you know, have, would have any general manager or coach salivating to get one of them, and, and let alone have both on the same team, which the Chiefs do. And then Chris Jones, you know, that, that middle of the defensive line or playing the three technique or where he'll jump a little bit where he goes and how he positions himself. But, but that position is so hard to find a difference maker, and he is clearly a difference maker. So we're talking about two players that are really prominent. There are areas of this team, and I don't know if you look at your quarterback, I don't know if you look at some of your other players that are highly priced, you're tied in, like, like whoever – but I, I, I think people can say, you know, and it's not the hometown discount, but it's maybe deferring some money. However, that is structured. I, I, th- I think they'll exhaust every possible avenue. And yet they operate with the great confidence. They operate with incredible confidence that they can somehow find a solution regardless of which way it goes. And, and that, that is something that I think is very unique. They've, proven 
that they can get guys who can contribute right away. They've proven that they can fill slots, which maybe some people thought were unfillable. Now, listen, the uh, trying to fill the Tyreek Hill uh, thing, and they offered him a lot of money, almost as much as Miami, if not exactly what Miami offered. Um, uh, that you're, you're talking about a generational talent in Hill. But I got to tell you, I think Jones and Sneed, if they're not in that category, they can see that category. They can see that kind of prominence. So I, my, my feeling is this organization will operate from a position of strength, but also realizing just what those guys meant to one of the best defenses in pro football, and they're winning. And they know they deserve it. They know the market. They know what money is going to have to be out there and gold out to keep them. I, I, I would like to think that they're going to find some kind of middle ground. Maybe it gets to be as tenuous as it was with Chris, who had to miss the first game against Detroit to begin the season to get something done. But the way that rep moves and, and, and they run that front office, and they're not afraid to spend money. That's not it. They, they just got they're just a lot of it, it's such a complicated you know, a complicated equation to try to work your way through that it's just going to take a little bit of time here, clearly, before they can resolve whatever issue is, that, that you know, to get some kind of finality one way or another. But they'll exhaust every issue. And if they would lose one or both, I really do believe that that they can find, as they always seem to, you know, the replacement or, or what, what can a good alternative and figure out a way, even if they got to kind of cover, you know, that that deficiency or that void in the short term. I, I have great confidence that they'll handle it the right way, either way. Yeah, and, and here's the question I, I ask everybody and see if you've got the answer for it. Um, okay, signing them. We all love what they both did last year. When are they not good again? Like when, when, when not good again, I should say, when do they fall off? When do they get old? At what age and what year do they get old? Because they're both past 27.4, which I read a long time ago, physiology-wise, is the peak of your athletic powers. Uh, you know, Legereus Sneed was older when he came into the league, so next year will be his 28-year-old season. Uh, and he's a corner. I, I feel like all the corner contracts, when somebody's like the top corner and they sign that big deal, they rarely get to the end of it. You know, it's like a seven-year deal and or it's a six, five-year deal. Now teams don't do it as long. and But you're going to be there for three for sure. So you're talking about ages 28, 29, 30. Like, to me, when do they fall off? Because history tells us it's in the next year or two. So do you want to be a year early getting out from under players or do you want to be a year late? I remember a long time ago, before the Andy Reid era, uh, being told by somebody in the Chiefs organization, we need to be more like the Steelers and Eagles. They might be a year early on getting out from under a bad contract, but they're never a year late. And that's always stuck with me that that was, that was the Andy Reid Eagles they were talking about. And that was, you know, the Steelers and willing to walk away from the Joey Porters and the, you know, they always seemingly had the next guy, but they weren't hanging on to a guy that was, that was too old and going to bog down their cap. So to me, I guess the question I would ask if I'm Brett Beach, and I asked my team, okay, guys, you want to keep these guys? You want to do whatever it takes? What's the year we need to be out from under them? And if everybody's answer is, I don't know, then the answer is now. I, I would say that, um, that that's the game that they play on a daily basis. How much is left in the tank? 
is there more growth? Is, is the upside to the point where we make this and it's an investment, long-term investment, tagging, all those different things are in play clearly. And and only they know, I, I think, you know, I, I and I, I would agree that the successful organizations always seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve, right? They're always, they're always uh, just ahead enough where they continually make those right moves. I don't know if there's a right answer with either of these guys. Um, and, and, and uh, their very smart brains um, will, will definitely, you know, decipher what they've got to do. But again, I go back to my statement from a couple minutes ago, and that is I, I would trust their process and the way they evaluate. They've got a formula. They, they follow it. They know, and they probably know right now exactly what this guy's going to cost, you know, uh, well, how much he's got left, you know, what kind of progress has he made? Is it good for the locker room? Um, you've got one corner, certainly, in McDuffie. Um, and, and we know the kind of accolades he's gotten. Sneed, if he's not the equal, is, is close to that, that feel. Um, you know, what, what does it mean to our defense if we lose one or both? And of those two positions, which one can we really not afford to lose? I, you know, I mean, like, these are all the things they've got to go through. And, and we can sit and guess, and, and we don't know if they've approached other players about taking less and deferring money, opening up some space trying to figure out how they can get to the cap number. Um, but I, but I, 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 again, sometimes when you, when we, and, and listen, this is great off season, hot stove league uh, fodder to talk about and shows like, like yours, Seren, um, th- th- this is kind of the, the, the part and parcel of, of what it is to follow a football team because decisions are made every single day. And even when there doesn't seem to be anything going on, there's everything going on behind the scenes that maybe we can't see. So I, I guess I've, what I have done personally is I've always watched with a curious eye, but I've always just figured out it's going to be what it's going to be. It's, it's going to eventually end up where it was supposed to end up, and that's going to be it. There, 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 you know, there's some stark realities that face every team, and when you're as good as the Chiefs, you're defending titles and winning Super Bowls and you know, going every year to the AFC Championship game. It's going to be... Uh, you know, fraught with people trying to invade your coaching staff, a brain drain, all the things that you try to avoid. And sometimes you just don't know if you can. And and I, I hear coaches talk all the time, gosh, I hated to see him go. It was a shame because I love that kid and he did so much for us. But it, there's a reality that they got to face. And that reality is a hard cap and they can't be messing around with it. And they know what they got to work with. And we'll just see where the Chiefs, you know, kind of, you know, work down this road of, of, of a very complex financial system and, and dealing with the cap, which is, it, it seems like it gets more layered and complicated every year. Um, uh, but, but, but certainly when you've got names this big that were so important to your championship run, um, this takes a headline. And I, I totally get why fans are looking at it, why people like us talk about it. And, and, uh, and it, it certainly is very interesting to follow because it can affect the team, as we saw with the departure of Hill. And I still think they're feeling, you know, the effects of that. Even though they've won a Super Bowl, won two in a row, they're still feeling the effects of not having the premier individual playmaker at that position on the team. 
What would you say is the number one free agent need for the Chiefs? Last question here, and then we'll get to our final four. Uh, is it wide out? Is it, you know, Donovan Smith is a free agent at left tackle, and I, you know, he was signed to a one year deal. He was clearly a, a stopgap. Is it left tackle? Um, where, where would you say, knowing that Chris Jones is unsigned and, you know, it takes two to tango there, is it the tackle? Uh, what, what would you say the number one need is for the Chiefs? Well, I think when you got a quarterback like this, you're continually trying to enhance his position, his happiness, uh, the offensive framework, and it would be, I think, somewhat surprising if they didn't <clears throat> look maybe toward the, the receiver tight end area. Um, I think they like what they've gotten back at Kelsey. Kelsey's going to be 35. they got some promising guys there. But do they feel that's the answer, or are those just guys that are good in that role as blocking tight ends, an occasional catch? And, you know, how, how do they feel about that? Um, the tackles were a topic of concern all season. Um, are you going to constantly go after free agents, sign them to big contracts, and, and have everything hinge on getting someone else's player and, and seeing if you can continue his successful run? I mean, tackle, maybe the tight end, and the tight end in this offense is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they've got, with Rice, you know, a, a nice answer there, but they need more clearly at that position. And defensively, I don't even know where you would start looking with, with, with how they played and what they did. And I, I, But you can always make your team better, and we just talked about the punter as we were starting our conversation. You can always improve your team, and that will be the case. And if one of those guys leaves um, and doesn't resign, you know, the, the cornerback or the defensive lineman, you know, that changes how you're going to draft now. And, and maybe do you make a trade? And, and so all those things are on the table and certainly up for discussion. Right. But so I, 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 I think there's some obvious areas and, 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 and maybe some ones that aren't because of what the evaluation of the coaching staff is on a certain player that we may think is, you know, pulling his weight and not letting go of the rope. But in their view, uh, there is nothing left in the tank. They got everything they can get out of them. Maybe there's some other issues involved, and, and they're going to replace them and move in another direction. So here's my plan. Uh, I'm walking on Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. If I and I and I haven't talked to enough people to find out, could you put a franchise tag on one of them? I know you can't both of them, but is there one more than the other that if you franchise them, you can definitely get a, a bigger haul for in a trade, or do you just? let them walk and take the free agent compensation that's going to come their way, uh, you know, from signing big deals and starting and playing somewhere else. Uh, I let them walk so that my cap is in good shape and I'm going to have more picks next year. Hopefully I can trade one of them for a sec, couple of seconds or a second and a third, something like that, you know, whatever it is, as many picks as I can get. Uh, solidify my picks uh, next year. I think the Chiefs have five or maybe six picks if they get the pick back that they traded, which was a seventh. They'll probably get another pick. In, uh, free agent compensation, uh, so they'll have six, uh, maybe seven picks, uh, this year. I trade next year's first, knowing that I'm going to get more draft picks next year from Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, maybe Willie Gay or Drew Tranquil walking, Donovan Smith. There's a lot of guys that are going to walk from the Chiefs and I think they're going to get a really good, uh, free agent package back. And I move up into that 10 to 20 range and I draft my franchise left tackle. And I solve that issue for the next five years. I've got, and maybe more, by by getting that guy. And then I use later picks 
to address the wide receiver position or try to get another veteran with an eye towards throwing numbers at the wide receiver position in the years to come. That's that's my plan. What do you think? I I can't disagree with it. I think anytime you get a free agent, it's 50-50. Anytime you draft a kid, it's 50-50. I think this organization is really adept at finding the right person. Um, But those tackles, I think, you know, they threw a lot of money at the right tackle. And, and that was a situation, right? And, and, and the, the left tackle, that was, that, that's been kind of a situation. A Brown walked, he left, and uh, they had to fill those, those slots. And we know, yeah, I, I, you know, I just, sometimes, I don't know if, it, if it's better to know exactly what you're keeping or to go out there and venture and, and, and try to recreate. And you want to keep things fresh and you want to evolve. And you would think maybe we can get a guy who they think is going to be better. And, and, and I think all those things that you just talked about are certainly at play. I, I, an organization like this does not become an organization like this unless they've got a, a very far-reaching plan, a short-term plan, an immediate plan, and and all these things are out there. I mean, this is all they think about 24 hours a day, what to do and how we're going to handle these these two contracts. Now, you know, you're going to get you're going to get off kilter. You're going to get maybe top heavy with a couple of contracts. If if you do go after Jones, you sign Snead. Those positions demand big money, and then you got the quarterback, and we know what he makes. Um, now there, there's a lot there's a lot going on. It's that, that's why it's so hard. I think when 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 you have an organization that continually wins. I think maintaining that is almost harder than climbing and getting there. Um, um, what, what New England did was incredible, but they had the same quarterback. I think the Chiefs are kind of in that same thing. I think we're going to see a lot of revolving door. I, 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 I think we're going to see a lot of change. We're going to have to just because of the cap and all the things you talked about here in the last 20 minutes. But if you've got the quarterback, you've always got a position of strength. You're always operating from at least we know that. And so what you just suggested, can't see any fault in it. Can't see any fault in paying those two guys. Can't see any fault in restructuring maybe Mahomes' contract again. Um, I mean, we'll just see where this goes. I think it's going to keep us on the edge of our seats, though. I I think – I don't know if there will be daily developments, but it will be weekly. and, and, And the draft is coming up. The combine begins here in a couple of days. Um, I, I think that always begins to get people talking and teams to visit and figuring out, you know, how they're gonna how they're gonna try to work ahead. And uh, I, I think I'm always expecting the unexpected. I, I do it in my life, and I do it with these teams. And I guess that's kind of the position I'm taking right now. I'm expecting the unexpected. I don't think it'll be jarring, but I, I do think there'll be things that will kind of raise our eyebrows at and say, "Wow, that's what a move!" And whether it's signing them. Letting them go, trading like like however they're going to maneuver here, um, whoever they draft, um, they're always going to be in the spotlight because as we began the conversation talking about the Chiefs are the number one topic in this league, and and they're going to be for some time. We're talking to Kevin Harlan here in the program. It's time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Did you know you can be seen by the same experts that care for your Kansas City Chiefs? That's right. If you suffer an injury in everyday life or playing sports, uh, the University of Kansas Health System offers orthopedic walk-in care. They're at 435 and all in Overland Park. Weekdays 8 to 7, Saturdays 8 to 2. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Kevin, I'll start you with this. Uh, what's your favorite cookie? Chocolate chip and chocolate chip 
oatmeal, probably uh, one and one A. Okay, I like it. Uh, you know, it's Girl Scout cookie season, as uh, all the cookies oh, are yeah, being delivered. Oh, yeah, that sure is. Yeah. Well, then I like, if, that, if that's the case, those caramel round things with a hole in the middle, co- yeah. caramel coconut things, I like those, and I like that our girls did sold these. And then, and then the is it the sour? Is it a not a sourdough? It, it's a it's, it's a uh, just that vanilla kind of cookie. They I what the heck? Like a like a little like yeah vanilla sandwich cookie thing. Yeah, well, no, 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 no cream. Just like just like a little, just like a little sugar cookie. But it's not a sugar cookie. It's like it's just like just like a plain cookie that's delicious. Like like a butter cookie, whatever, whatever. I like chocolate it. chip is, is number one. Kevin Harlan likes his cookies. That's let the let the. Let I just the word. got one in Dallas yesterday afternoon. There was a, something called, um, I paid three bucks for it. You, I, 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 and it was a big cookie. Like it was just like, so it wasn't like just like it was big, bigger than a, a Girl Scout cookie. And I, and I got it. I didn't even look at the price. I just, I just wanted a cookie. I got a sandwich, and I was walking down the street and. And before our game last night, and I saw this cookie, I go and I get the cookie. I should have, I should have known right better. If there's a store that does only cookies, you know it's going to be. I paid three dollars for the cookie. I was ticked off, but then I ate it, and then I wasn't so mad. So anyway, but I chocolate chip. Okay, and we'll move quickly. Uh, so I, I, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I love the cookie breakdown. Just I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, history in the end will say who is a better player: James Harden or Luka Doncic. Oh, Doncic. Doncic right now uh, is is on a pace. Uh, he's the second highest scoring kid uh, before he turns 25 and back to LeBron. He's on that path. And they're beginning in Dallas to, to put some nice parts around him. I just did the game last night. Um, they beat Phoenix and Kevin Durant. I and Devin Booker, I really like Dallas. I, I, I don't know if they're going to beat the Clippers or Denver or Minnesota. But I think they're going to be in their punch, and they could easily be the final four in the Western Conference. Okay. Uh, the general manager in Kevin Harlan would draft Caleb Williams or trade the pick and stay with Justin Fields. Which way would you go? Uh, that's a tough one. Every time I saw Williams, I just thought, eh. you know, I, and I didn't, and they did not have the kind of season they thought they were going to have. He didn't have the kind of season. But man, I turn on a TV or listen on radio to my, my different guys I respect. Everybody just goes bananas over this kid. He won the Heisman. We know that. Um, so I guess I guess I feel like he kind of sounds uh, Mahomesian in that in that sense. The way okay. that people are talking about generational. So I guess I guess I think I'd go with Caleb Williams. But if I kept Fields, make sure that I get a bevy of picks and 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 trade out of that. And make sure I get another couple starters and another couple ones. Okay, and who goes further in the NBA playoffs? Lakers or Warriors? I think the Warriors, and I only say that because their young guys have developed quicker, faster than even they thought. Um, this Pajemski guy is yep. kind of taking Clay Thompson's role. Green, I think, has his head on straight. Steph Curry is just magic. He showed it again last night. Um, I, I, I work. appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. We will talk with you next week, my friend. Always fun, Seren. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.